0: Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. This is segment five here on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR with Dan Tischler, Associate Head Coach of Men's Baseball at Columbia University. We're talking with Dan Tischler, Associate Head Coach of Baseball at Columbia University here on Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. I'd like to get into discussion on pitching with you because you were a pitcher. This has always fascinated me. Um, and I've always been amazed at how they can shake stuff off, they can keep going after they give up a home run. It doesn't seem to phase them. Um, it phased fa- it me. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't show it, you know, that's the thing. <laughs> when you're going in as a starting pitcher, we'll start with starting pitchers. Um, do you study that team you're gonna face? The batters, the lineups, where guys are, how the team has been doing. Um, Have you ever faced them before? Is there somebody in that lineup you've never seen before? Do you look at the total package with your pitching coach when you're in college? So going back to, you know, this is 2007,
1: 2008, there was a lot less information available. Uh, We didn't do as much scouting report stuff at that point. You know, um, it was just kind of like, hey, you know, if what you have working today, what you're feeling good, like what's your best pitch, what are you landing for strikes, Um, pitching more so to my strengths. Um, You know, now I think with our pitching staff and and our pitching coach, Coach Soup, you know, what what he does with our guys, they usually do a scouting report review the Friday before a series or the Thursday before a series, depending on when we're playing. Uh, We also do plenty of video review because we do have access to that stuff. You know, one of the great things about the technology side of it is that we do have access to so many more at-bats of guys and we get to see, what it looks like. Um, but you know, from my personal experience, um, you know, it was never really going off of a scouting report. You know, it was, am I in sync with my catcher that day? And, you know, are we thinking on the same page and kind of thinking the game along together? Um, and and that's when I, I found myself having the most success.
0: How do you mentally prepare going into a game as a starter? What do you think about going in? Do you think about certain pitches? Do you think about situations? You know, if I get in trouble, if I'm getting behind, I'm, I'm ahead, does that come into play or are you just up there and you're throwing and your catcher's just giving you the signals?
1: You know, I, I think again, this is, you know, speaking personally, it was always more so about this pitch right here. When I got into trouble, when I wasn't very good, uh, it was thinking about the bigger picture. It was thinking about, Hey, you know, am I going to set this guy up now to get him with something else later? When I was going good, you know, in, in 2007, you know, we, we had a catcher who was a senior that year, Bill McGuire. And I remember uh, my start against Hopkins in the regular season, me and Billy were as in sync as I think I've ever been. Uh, it was a seven in game, ended up going into extras. I pitched all eight and I don't think I shook Billy off the entire day. Uh, We were just, I I was completely in the moment, whatever he was putting down, I was throwing because, you know, I felt great that day. My fastball had a little bit on it. My changeup was good. My breaking ball was big and loopy, but it could land for a strike. Um, You know, I think living pitch to pitch is really valuable and not worrying about, oh man, I'm, I'm down 1-0. What am I going to throw 1-1? Well, hey, hold on a second. We got to get to 1-1. You know, we, we need to make this pitch right now to get to 1-1. Um, so, you know, the idea of, of just trying to exist in that moment with complete clarity for that pitch
0: is really vital. Do you and your catcher talk a lot during the game in the dugout when you come in every half inning? Do you sit down yeah. and say, this, this is working, this isn't working, or, you know, this we've when you've gone through a lineup, and you're getting now into like, you know, the third inning, fourth inning, do you talk differently about what's going on now? We faced this guy already. Here's what he's looking for. Can you get it over there? I'm going to give you a set him up kind of a thing.
1: We would talk a little bit about that stuff. Um, You know, more so about if there was a specific guy, you know, I I think those mid 2000s Hopkins teams had plenty of plenty of guys up and down the lineup that were going to hurt you. Um, But, you know, a lot of lineups like it's, Hey, these two guys, let's make sure that we understand how we're attacking them. Um, you know, but it's some of that is verbal communication. Some of that is the nonverbal communication, you know, kind of that, that mind meld that I was talking about and just being on the same
0: page. Let's talk about relievers and it's all, you know, Mariano Rivera to me was amazing. He had committed any situation and just shut it down. Um, is it a different mindset? when you're a reliever coming into a game because you're coming into a situation that's pretty, you're going to inherit probably a tough spot. There might be, bl- there might be runners on base. They might be threatening. You know, you might be ahead behind. You don't know where you are in the game. Um, do they just shake that situation off and say, I'm going to just mow them down. I'm just going to take these guys down and that's it. I'm coming in, try and hit me. The good ones do. <laughs>
1: um, you know, I, I always loved relieving because, you know, sitting in the dugout and like, Hey, it's the sixth inning ah, base hit ah, walk. And then like, you see the head coach's head turn or the pitching coach's head turn. And you're like, let me go down to the bullpen. Um, you know, that adrenaline, that, that injection of excitement always did it for me. Um, you know, I, I think again, though, you know, it's not about trying to overthink it. It's not about trying to say, <clears throat> you know, Hey, if I get these two guys, we're out of the inning. It's more about, all right, let's go get this pitch. Let's go get this guy right now. Um, and and living in that moment with, with, you know, the, the kind of clear-eyed view, you know, as best a clear-eyed view as you can. But I always loved relieving because, you know, our bullpens were down the left field line and, you know, that run down there and the the hustle of trying to get ready in a batter or two um, that, that always, that always got my heart going a little bit.
0: Now you're the infields coach at Columbia. You work with them. What's a typical, like you know, uh, in season or out of season, let's, let's start with out of season. What's it like, what do you work on with the, with the guys? What do you work on? Like, you know, uh, are you working on like basic skills? Do you, do you, do you have like a, a rudimentary thing you work on every day with them? So they, they understand like, you know, fielding ground balls or throwing over to first if you're on third, I mean, what do you break down with them?
1: So we have some of our basic drills that we try and incorporate a couple times a week. Uh, you know, it'll be maybe twice a week when we're in season, it might be three times a week when we're out of season in individuals um, just to really build up our fundamentals. And, you know, that is a combination of footwork stuff, working around some cones and putting our body into some good positions. Uh, it is a lot of short hop work and hands work being um, consistent with the hops that we're trying to get. Um, and, Really, I think what I've tried to do more so, you know, we incorporate a lot of that stuff early on, as we get into a practice, it's a lot of decision making. Um, you know, trying to help guys understand the tempo of the ground ball that's just hit to them, the speed of the guy getting out of the box, what hop they want to come get or stay back and get um, all of those things. Trying to create as much of a game like environment for them, so that when we get into a game and you have a guy running a four two five or a four three down the line, it's not like surprising. You know, it's like, oh, I've I've been a four one five on this ground ball a hundred times in practice. I can do this really easily. Um, you know, we use the stopwatch a lot in practice. You know, I have different drills, or or we have different drills that we utilize for our corner guys versus our middle guys. Obviously everyone's gonna have some unique positional work that they do, but everyone also has some daily uh, lead-ups, we call them, that, that we're gonna try and do to make sure that we're in some good positions.
0: You give them uh, like different situations, different scenarios, you'll say there's a guy on second, the guy up at bat is this, and do you kind of give those breakdowns to them? So they kind of, it becomes almost second nature? We don't do as much runner on base stuff
1: unless we're turning double plays, but what we do try and do in an individual setting with the infielders, like I said, is use the stopwatch a lot. You know, we have a color system for our runners. Green is your best runner. Those are the guys that are 4-2, 4-2-5 can really burn yellow, and then red and just contextualizing it for the guys, you know, setting a goal. We start at a four five, Hey, from contact to the ball, hitting the first baseman's glove. We need to be below 4.5 seconds. And then, all right, we just did 4-5. Let's go to 4-4. Four, four. All right, 4 4-2. Four, and it, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier with those hitters self-organizing a little bit. You know, like, hey, that first one, we might feel like we have all the time in the world. Get the ball over there. It's a 4-5-5. Five, five. All right, I understand that I can't take that extra step now. Or I need to attack the, the hop in order to be able to take that extra step. And so, like I said, it's more about creating opportunities for guys to react in a situation um than you know than anything else
0: are you moving players around on each batter and each pitch when they're out there on the field you'll say you know this guy is is hitting this or this this player can do this you have to come in two or three steps you have to move over here i mean do the players look to you in the dugout and, and you're moving guys around
1: yeah we do a good bit of shifting uh we we move guys around you know, i think that's something that has become. More and more prevalent, obviously in professional baseball, but also in college baseball. Um, we will go with three-man right sides a lot. Um, you know, where our third baseman staying home I'm on the other side of the bag. Um, more and more, we're seeing right-handed hitters that don't hit ground balls the other way. Which you know, I don't. We don't teach our guys to hit ground balls the other way either. So that's a good thing. But <laughs> you know, we end up with three-man left side. And so, uh, part of my responsibility and, and our responsibility as coaches is to make sure. We never put guys in a position and ask them to do something that we haven't practiced. So we practice shifted throws a lot. You know, we have our second baseman on the wrong side of second base, on the shortstop side of second base, picking up a ground ball up the middle and throwing it across because he might not have ever made that throw. You know, if he has played second base for us for a couple of years, like you know, he it, it's it's rare. Um, there was an instance in 2017 where we had a second baseman. Positioned him perfectly down at two lane, ground ball, right at him up the middle. Like, Hey, we're getting out of the inning. This is awesome. (laughs) And just spikes the hell out of the throw. And that's (laughs) on me because at that time, four years ago, I didn't do a good enough job of working with our guys on shifted ground ball throws. And so that was something, you know, I talked to the player after the game and, you know, he was really on. He's like, coach, I've, I've never, I've never really thrown from there. And you know, man, you're right. That's, that's my fault. I got to do a better job. And so we, we try and practice that a lot. And there's a lot of communication, you know, it goes back to the scouting reports that we do. You know, I mentioned earlier, our, our pitchers going over their hitters. I try and sit in with coach uh, with coach soup as much as I can on those meetings, because I need to know where we're positioning the infielders and what guys are, you know, plus runners, what guys are action guys with the bunt, that kind of stuff.
0: Do the pitchers fit into this whole thing with the infield as well? Do you have to utilize them as far as understanding, like on kind of playing a bunt and having to run in and get the bunt? Or do you have to have kind to of, say, hey, I got to work with you on infield throws as well? Do they understand that or is that? Yeah.
1: Not- yeah, we, we do, you know, twice a week, three times a week, we'll do a PFP rotation, pitchers fielding practice. Um, you know, they need to be able to come in and field a bunt. We'll work uh, a, a three man right side ground ball where you know our first baseman's trying to go get the ball so the pitcher has to get over there. You know, it's it's your fundamental stuff, it's your it's your simple stuff, but it's also the stuff that'll win you games. Um, you know, our, our pitchers also understand their coverage responsibilities. That's where I was gonna and, go next. Yeah. You know, hey, man on man on first. There's a bunt to the third base side. Our third baseman's charging hard, picks it up. Third base is unoccupied. Our pitcher needs to roll and be there in order to help us out because our second baseman's going deep behind first. Our shortstop has second base. Somebody's got to be home at third. Um, and so our, our catcher and our pitcher will communicate on that. And that's something that we practice a lot. Um, and, and that's where the verbal communication on the field between players is really important.
0: Working on cutoffs, too. Do you have them with the outfielders? Do you also break that out for them? I mean, I think a lot of kids need to hear this. I think they need, and parents need to hear this. There's a lot of strategy involved in baseball. It's it's a very strategizing game. There's a lot of positioning. There's a lot of thinking ahead. I mean, do you work with that as well with the outfield and say, hey, guys, you know, you you have to be in this position because of this, and it's a situational thing. Exactly.
1: Um, and, you know, we we move our outfielders around a good bit, um, and, and they understand it. You know, they, they get it. Um, they see the tendencies, they see the spray charts as well, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, from our perspective, you know, the cutoff stuff, our infielders know their responsibilities. They know where they need to be. The biggest thing is knowing your outfielder who can make that throw. And you can give a few steps and let the ball travel further. Cause the ball is going to go faster than we can. Who can't, who do you need to help out with a couple steps up and,
0: you know, maybe, maybe make sure you're going to get that thing a little bit sooner should kids be learning this in high school? So when they get yes. to college state, they, they understand this. Please.
1: Yes. It would make my job easier. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. I, you know,
1: every college program is going to do things a little bit differently, but the game is the game, you know, not much has changed in the last 150 years as far as where the players go. And, you know, when there's a single with a runner on first to the outfield, Hey, your shortstops, your cup, man, your second baseman has the bag, pitchers backing up third base. Like, this is stuff that is really practicable and it's it's scalable and it it get it translates at our level. And so we would love if all of our guys understood exactly how to run a double cut when they showed up. Um that there are some years where it happens and there are some years where it don't. And you know, we need to we need to coach a little bit more and explain things maybe a little bit more slowly to help guys understand um, you know, where they need to be positioning-wise. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the foundational kind of fundamental things, you know, and, and there are a ton of great high school coaches out there that do do this stuff. Um, you know, just continuing to harp on it, continuing to practice it.
0: Walk me through a double play. What are the tendencies of a double play? You know, six, four to three that uh, those, those guys should know those, those players, those position players should know in high school when they get to college, how
1: complicated do you want me to get?
0: somewhat i mean okay. i want you i want you to break it down i want kids to understand this because a lot of kids don't hear this they need to hear this
1: so you know run around first if we're playing a straight up positioning our our double play depth is going to be in a little bit uh, obviously we're not gaining the baseline but we're going to be tighter to second base and we're going to be in a little bit because we have to be able to get to the bag right-handed hitter hits a ground ball to our shortstop. The first thing our shortstop needs to determine is, is this a flip ball where I can create momentum towards second base and flip it underhand? Or is this a throw ball where my momentum is either going to be stopped or moving away from second base and I'm throwing this ball from a lower slot? Um, If it's a throw ball, how am I positioning my lower body to be as efficient as possible to make a good throw, giving my second baseman something to work with? If it's a flip ball, making sure that I still have really good rhythm. I'm working through it with a left left heel rock as that ball is impacting my glove and giving my second baseman something to work with. When we talk about something to work with on the receiving end as a second baseman, top shelf, all right? We want something basically from our sternum to our shoulders. If we can be in this box here, we're gonna have a lot of success. Um, makes it way easier to catch. If I have to go up here, over here, or underneath, we're just gonna be a little bit slower. Um, Second baseman gets that. We need to make sure of one. We always want to secure the first out. One is an absolute must. Two is a plus is as the old saying goes, um, you know, what we always tell the front side guy, the shortstop in this instance is you be sure the guy in the middle will be quick. All right. We need to be sure of that first out. So our shortstop feels it. We'll call it a flip play to our second baseman. Um, second baseman there are a lot of different ways to work the pivot if we're getting a perfect flip from a shortstop i am an advocate of stepping through we're taking our right foot to the ball we're stepping through we're now gaining ground to the other side of second base protecting ourselves from that runner if i'm not in the baseline the runner can't hit me if he hits me boom double play automatic interference let's go hit um you know i'm clearing ground when I land, my left foot is going to be slightly behind my right. I'm going to have my toes open so that if I do get clipped, my knee bends the right way and not the wrong way. Um, and let's let it eat, make a good throw to our first
0: baseman. Was Jeter the best at that that you saw? No.
1: Um, really? If if you, I mean, if, if young kids out there want to learn how to play shortstop, watch Andrelton Simmons. Uh, watch Angelton Simmons and Francisco Lindor play shortstop. Th- those dudes are magic, you know. Again, look, I was 10 years old in 1996. I'm not going to say too much negative stuff about Derek Jeter as a big Yankees fan. Um, you know, from a defensive standpoint, he could do the fundamental things really well. I think there are some guys that do things technically better. Um, you know, watching a guy like a, like a Simmons or, or like, a, uh, like a Lindor, I think there's so much fun to watch. There's so much athleticism. There's also a lot of range, which I think might be something that, especially later on in his career, Jeter had a little bit less of.
0: Okay, I always like to wrap it up. It's been amazing to listen to you. I mean, I, I love talking deep into sports like this. But these two questions have always are, are, are our final questions. What's the best piece of advice you've been given by somebody in your career? And how do you use it in your life still today? Mm, that's a good one.
1: Um So there are two. Um, I I think there are two really important ones. The first one um, as a coach, talk less, just talk less, listen more, see more, observe more, try to make sure that you're creating an environment where players want to come to you for help, not where you're going and badgering players with advice. Because as soon as you start to, you know, hit them with everything all at once, they, they don't want to hear it. They shut down. The best learners, the, the most eager learners are the guys that come to you and say, coach, what are you seeing? And then, hey, let's talk. We're going to have a dialogue there. Um, I, I think talking less has really helped me. And, you know, I'm not sure if you've gotten this from the hour long conversation we've had, but I can talk my ass off. Um well. Well, I know you can, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but, but trying to talk less, I think is really important. And I think it's really valuable for coaches. Um, and the second piece of advice, this is something we talk with our guys about all the time, uh, in terms of the mental game, but I think it's really vital for younger coaches, be where your feet are. Um, there's a huge temptation in our line of work, especially at the college level, to always be thinking about the next opportunity to always be thinking about the next job, what's on the horizon. What might, what job might open up? Hey, where's that guy going? What's he doing? Why wasn't I interviewed for that? It comes when it comes and you need to coach the hell out of your guys that are right in front of you and love your guys that are right in front of you. If you're ever going to have an opportunity to go somewhere next and maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but we always ask our guys to give us a hundred percent of whatever they have that day. You know, Hey, no one feels a hundred percent all the time. You know, most of our guys usually come to the field feeling 80 or 90%. Give us a hundred percent of that. And as a coach, if I'm worried about why this guy gets this opportunity and I don't, or why, you know, this next job might be X, Y, or Z, I'm not giving a hundred percent of myself to my players that day. And that sucks. So my job is to be where my feet are and try and be as dialed in as I can be to help my guys in that moment as best I can.
0: What does failure teach you? If you do it the right way, uh,
1: failure is the best teaching tool we have. It is, Provides us with answers to what we don't want to be doing. Um, You know, whether that is from a technical standpoint, you know, hey, I'm hitting and I continue to pull off and I keep flailing balls to the right side. Well, I'm failing. So maybe I don't want to pull my front shoulder off. I want to stay over the ball a bit longer. If I can watch the video, if I can learn from it, if I have an open mind about what I'm doing, Um, I think failure can provide. it can provide some really valuable armor to guys because the more we fail, the more we realize we're not failing. We're learning. Um, You know, it's, it's okay. Like we didn't, we didn't lose today. We learned we come back out tomorrow and we get after it Um, with that knowledge. And, you know, all, everything I'm saying right now is contingent on guys being able to take a deep breath and have that knowledge and slow down and learn from their failures. And that's hard to do. You know, I, you know, we talked earlier about the 18 year old that has never, never not been successful. Um, But when you learn to fail the right way, I think it provides the roadmap to success.
0: Well, I want to thank you for your insights, your time. This has been fascinating stuff. I love how you got so in depth, about baseball and i like that because it shows you have a passion but i want to thank you for coming on inside the game brought to you by flex coach and flex coach vr and wish you all the best when baseball returns to the ivy leagues thank you very much chris great great talking with you inside the game brought to you by flex coach and flex coach vr